Hello, hello, and welcome to episode five of the Unsinkable Marketing Podcast, a pop-up private podcast about diversifying your marketing. Because the further you spread out your marketing efforts, the better equipped you are to weather the storms of a crazy economy, ebbs and flows in demand, and heck, even a changing algorithm. So in episode one of Unsinkable Marketing, I gave an overview of the four external buckets of traffic as outlined by master marketer Julie Stoyan. As a reminder, those four buckets are search, social, relationship, and paid. So we've talked through search, social, and relationship categories in episodes two, three, and four. Please go back and listen to those if you have not already. There's so much good stuff in there. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking all about marketing with paid traffic. And remember, traffic just means eyes on your business. Real quick, before we go any further, have you checked out the details for Brand Photography Academy yet? This is my A to Z blueprint for strategic, scroll-stopping brand photographs. Doors to BPA are only open to the public twice a year, but I know that having to wait months to get started on accelerating your brand photography business is not just a buzzkill, it's also a momentum killer as well. So we've got a secret link just for our unsinkable marketing listeners. Head to abbygrace.co to get front of the line access and skip the months long wait that everybody else has to deal with. Brand Photography Academy, like I said, is my A to Z roadmap for how to strategically plan, shoot, and deliver brand photographs with absolute confidence that you captured creative photos that are 100% worth what your clients paid. And as one of our private podcast listeners, you guys get access now for a limited time. So head to abbygrace.co to get all the information and to enroll before time runs out. One more time, that's abbygrace.co. All right, so I used to pride myself on the fact that I had never paid a dime for advertising, that all my clients came to me via word of mouth, which is all fine and dandy when I was still shooting weddings and really only needed 15 to 20 bookings per year. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I've never paid to market my brand photography services either, but like the education side of things, our courses, our store, our resources for photographers, that's a different story. So I've mentioned in past episodes that we have two sides to our business, and as a result, two different audiences that we speak to. We have the agency side, where I photograph half and full day brand shoots for high-performing, creative small business owners. We call those done-for-you services, like my clients just have to answer the questions that I ask, and then I show up, and I do all the work for them. It's the agency side of things. Then there's the educational side of our business where we sell um, products and we have our shop and we teach brand photography academy, digital downloads, that kind of thing. Our audience for the education side is almost exclusively photographers, typically newer brand photographers or wedding and family photographers who are looking for an off-ramp and they are interested in brand photography as a way to diversify their income or change industries entirely. We've only experimented with a few avenues of paid traffic, and I will admit that this is not my favorite avenue of marketing, especially not for the agency side of our business. Running Facebook ads straight to a high ticket offer, so like services that cost thousands and thousands of dollars, is not a straightforward game. You can't just like run a Facebook ad to your services page on your website for, you know, a $2,500 brand shoot and expect to see the numbers start rolling in. And like I mentioned in episode four, our strongest bucket of marketing is actually relationships. So something like 75% of our clients find us by way of relationships, whether that's having met at a conference or a mastermind or a referral from a past client, typically referrals from past clients. And that's so that's not to say that like paid traffic cannot work for for high ticket offers, but because our other marketing avenues are so strong, we have not dabbled in any kind of paid ads for my agency work. However, for our educational products and courses, absolutely. 
You guys know I say this in every episode. I do not want you to hear everything I'm about to share and put it all on a list of things to accomplish by the end of next week, okay? I've been in business for 12 years now and I have tried and failed a lot. So you're gonna hear about what we've experimented with both as uh, in, in my time as a wedding photographer and since having pivoted into brand photography. And I want you to also factor into that I'm an educator, which requires a different approach to paid advertising than my other work. So I want you to hear all of this and treat this like a menu of options and then cherry pick from that menu what might work for you. Do not try to do all of this right away. Slow progress is better than no progress, okay? So we're five episodes deep into a six-episode miniseries, and you and I, we've spent a significant amount of time together already, so I feel like I can be straight with you. Well-rounded marketing can literally change your life. Earlier this year, my husband and I received some really exciting news from our adoption agency that we had been matched with baby number two. And as exciting as that news was, it also turned our lives upside down for a few weeks and necessitated moving heaven and earth in our business in order to get ready for the arrival of a new child in just a few short weeks versus like the nine months that families traditionally have to prepare for an addition. I'm telling you this because I want to point out just what solid marketing can do for your life outside of work. Matt and I, we desire to run a business that enables a life that we love. The ability to be flexible with our schedules, to say yes to family and friends in need. The ability to parent our children in a way that shows with our actions as well as with our words that we love our kids more than our work. That our kids see us prioritizing those we love over hours spent in the office. Diversified marketing has helped us do that. With leads coming in from all four buckets, from search, social, relationship, and paid traffic, it means that when we're facing a major sudden upheaval in our personal lives, that our business doesn't have to come to a grinding halt, that I can disappear from social media for maternity leave without worrying that I'm going to lose all of my momentum. I want this so desperately for you. I want your business to be a blessing and not a burden to you and your family. I want you to run a business that you love for as long as it is good and right for you to run it. I don't want you to feel chained to your phone or your laptop, missing irreplaceable moments with your loved ones, all because you're worried about what happens if you get off the hamster wheel. This stuff, marketing, unsinkable marketing, diversified marketing, this matters. It matters because marketing is one of those black holes that you can fall into, justifying spending hours and hours of time on tasks that don't actually move your business forward because you can't see how they fit into an overall marketing plan. Living paycheck to paycheck is stressful, and so is living Instagram post to Instagram post. Everything I've shared with you here on Unsinkable Marketing, we have practiced what we preach, and it works. I'm telling you, it works. None of the methods I've given so far have been a magic one-stop fix, but when taken as a collective handbook, these practices are what have grown my business into what it is today, being at the top of my field, both as a photographer and as an educator. So first up, in the avenues of paid traffic that we've utilized, Facebook ads. This tends to be the go-to method of paid advertising because the barrier to entry is extremely low and it seems relatively straightforward to get started. Well, ever since the iOS update last year, do we say iOS or iOS? I feel like it should be iOS, but I think it's iOS. Whatever, I sound really old right now. Ever since the iOS update last year that requires users to give consent to having their activities tracked across the apps, which by the way, only like 18% of people actually agree to, Ever since the iOS update, the Facebook ad landscape has definitely become more complicated. 
Because Facebook can no longer track user behavior on, let's say, like Google Chrome, it means they can't retarget you if you have opted out of targeting. They cannot retarget you for a product that you've shown interest in via Facebook ads. So leads doubled, tripled, and sometimes like 10x'd themselves for some businesses almost overnight when this new iOS update came into effect. Remember the whole don't put all your marketing eggs in one basket thing, especially in a basket that hangs on the arm of a social media platform? Yes, this is like case study number one. (laughs) So many business owners forgot when they were putting all of their eggs into the Facebook marketing bucket, they forgot that they had other options of marketing available to them because all of their attention and all of their marketing dollars were going into Facebook ads. And it worked until it didn't. And then for some folks, everything broke. (laughs) Matt runs all of our Facebook ads, and we take a lot of our cues from Facebook ads expert Adrian Richardson. I will link to her in the show notes. We're enrolled in her membership, Power Players Club, and we have definitely seen a spike in how effective our ads have been since starting with Adrian's course. So prior to Power Players Club, it was a lot of like guess and check, and then paying more than we'd wanted to for each new lead and turning Facebook ads on and off whenever we felt the squeeze a little too much. It felt like shooting in the dark, like throwing stuff at a wall and having no idea what was going to stick. Uh, I should back up for a second though. Like what kind of Facebook ads do we run? Well, I've already mentioned we don't run Facebook ads for our agency work. The paid traffic that we run is exclusively for like courses and educational products, but we don't send actual Facebook ads to the course themselves. Instead, we run ads to what's called a lead magnet or an opt-in. It's a high value freebie that meets a very specific, actionable need for our target audience. It needs to be high value enough that somebody is willing to trade their email address for it. And and it's got to be specific. Wooly or vague topics like five ways to strengthen your photography isn't likely to do very well. Did you just yawn while I was saying that? I'm guessing you did. See, it's not it's not sexy. It's not actionable. So I write the copy for our ads and then Matt designs the visuals with final sign off from me. And then he does some like wizardry inside the Facebook ads dashboard to target users who have interests that align with our target audience. You also sometimes have the option to, clone. I think, target like a clone audience of maybe another business owner in your industry. We have experimented with that as well. Once someone downloads the freebie, it adds them to our email list where we can typically assume, hey, you are interested in this sample brand photo shot list, which makes me think you're probably growing a brand photography business. So you will likely also be interested in, oh, I don't know, a free private podcast on how to market your brand photography business. Getting folks on our list is all about identifying people who are experiencing a particular problem, providing a solution to the problem, and then serving them further by getting more educational resources in front of them, both in the form of the high-value free content we put out, like this podcast, and the free live masterclasses that we host a few times a year. We then also market our paid services to our list friends because, again, if they were interested in the free material, they're probably also experiencing the problems that our courses help to solve. Facebook ads sometimes feel like a (laughs) crapshoot. Freebies that I thought would totally crush it fail to garner much interest, or we end up paying a really high cost per conversion, which shows that maybe they're not super clickable. Photos that I was confident would attract eyes don't seem to cut it. I do appreciate Facebook ads' ability to split test several different photos paired with the same copy so that you can make the final call to funnel your marketing dollars on the one photo that generated the most clicks, but still so much of it is test and check. 
This was why, honestly, we enrolled in Adrian's Power Players Club because I was tired of throwing money at Facebook ads and seeing our cost per click go or cost per conversion go up and up and up. And we weren't getting the results that we needed. And it honestly became a it wasn't even a problem of how much money do you want to throw at it. It was like, I just genuinely don't think the way that we're using Facebook ads is reaching the people who need what we offer. So I say that to tell you guys, like, I do not have all of the answers. I just know when I don't have an answer, I need to find somebody who does and then pay them for their expertise. So if you're sitting there feeling like, why don't I know how to use Facebook ads? It's not intuitive. And and like we ask for help all the time. Okay. So we use Facebook ads because it allows us to cast a wide net for students who could benefit from our products and courses who are scattered across the globe. There are 2.9, last time I checked, 2.9 billion people on Facebook. And there is a constant influx in the market of new small business owners and new photographers and folks who are newly interested specifically in brand photography. So grabbing their attention with a high value download or free training, it gives us the chance to introduce our ourselves and earn the trust of someone who might otherwise have never heard of me before. We also use the ability to retarget our ads to folks who are already on our list during launch periods or when we're running a promotion like Black Friday sale. We know that because they're already on the list that they're more likely to be interested in what we're offering. They already know who I am. I already have no like and trust built in with them. So rather than running ads only to new people who maybe have never heard of me, We can try to re-engage the people who have already raised their hand to hear from us by signing up for our email list. Like I said, Facebook ads have changed a lot over the last year. We are paying two to three times more for each download than we were last spring because, again, of that iOS update that Apple rolled out that prevents tracking user behavior without their permission. And it isn't just us. Facebook ads have become more expensive for nearly everyone. But I will say this, the statistics we're seeing on Facebook ads dashboards can be a little misleading. Um, Because Facebook cannot track user behavior without permission, it means that they can't report a conversion when you have opted out of tracking. And when I say conversion, I mean that someone takes a specific action we want, like downloading a freebie, signing up for a free class, that kind of thing. So there are conversions happening as a result of Facebook ads that Facebook simply cannot report to us. For anyone who's curious, we are running Facebook ads on both Facebook desktop and mobile. And then this leads me into the next form of paid traffic that we have tried, Instagram ads. I will admit, I have not been super impressed by Instagram ads. The cost per conversion, and again, that conversion being somebody takes some kind of desired action that we like downloading a freebie. The cost per conversion has been much higher for us on Instagram than Facebook ads. But I'm also big enough to admit that it's probably because I haven't put much effort into Instagram ads. And I think that that stems from the fact that I intentionally scroll past them in my own feed. Like if I'm watching stories and I get to a sponsored story, I just swipe right. Like I don't want to see it. Um, I may have bought like once or twice off of an Instagram ad, but for the most part, it just feels like visual clutter. Like I'm not on Instagram to shop. I'm on Instagram to see what my friends are doing, um, to like catch up on like industry goings on like I don't I don't want to buy your toaster or whatever it is so we have tried when it comes to Instagram ads we've tried running a handful of static images so not video uh, typically using a template from a source like creative market or canva 
And then we run those as ads both on the Instagram feed and in stories, and they have never done well. So I have a feeling, I I tend to get pretty good engagement when I'm talking to the camera. Um, So I have a feeling that if I were to do like a talking head video, like, hey guys, have you heard about Brain Photography Academy? Or hey, check out my new free podcast, that that would be more effective than a static image because it is more engaging and eye contact tends to garner like people stay on the page for longer. But again, we just haven't experimented it yet. But I will say this, now that we, now that I feel like we've gotten a better grasp on Facebook ads, I would be more willing to try with Instagram because it doesn't feel like we're flushing money down two toilets. Like we've got a pretty good thing going with Facebook ads. Now let's try flushing money down the Instagram toilet and see what happens. (laughs) So in the past, we have simply pushed the same thing that was running on Facebook ads over to Instagram. Same copy, same images. Um, They're called ad creatives, the the actual like visual that accompanies companies the the advertisement and uh that definitely does not work so I do not recommend that the format is different where you know Facebook prefers horizontal images Instagram prefers vertical the copy needs to be broken up differently it's just it's just different so general rumblings in the ad world are that Instagram ads do not perform as well as Facebook ads but I would get I haven't done specific research on this but I would guess that that also depends on the industry you are in and where your people tend to hang out and this is where it comes back to knowing your audience's behavior I know I know that photographers hang out on Facebook and on Instagram and increasingly on TikTok so there are a lot of different ways to reach our people and we continue experimenting with them well I mean not TikTok because let's be honest I have like last time I checked like 37 followers on TikTok (laughs) It's not going great over there. And also, I don't actually care. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about TikTok ads later this year once I've had time to muster the energy to like actually care about TikTok. But right now, I just do not care. I just don't. I probably will in the future. But right now, I don't have the bandwidth. All right. So next up, let's talk about Pinterest ads. This section will be real short. We experimented with Pinterest ads during our last launch in September. That was the first and only time we have experimented with Pinterest ads. And it tanked. I also don't really use Pinterest myself, so it's not a consistent part of our business, and neither Matt or I understand the nuances of the platform, so it's really not a surprise that they didn't go very well, because we did not hire an expert. Matt was just kind of like, let's take a stab and see what happens. So if we were going to take up the challenge again, I would hire someone for this job. Because I do not spend much time on Pinterest, it doesn't feel intuitive to me, I don't understand the nuances of the platform. It's just best in this situation. It will cost us less to hire someone to do this work than it would cost me in time to learn how to do it well. So we would hire someone for that job. That goes for all things Pinterest related. We talked, we briefly touched on Pinterest in the search episode, episode number two, because Pinterest is a search platform. Um, And I mentioned we don't use much of it over there. If we were to hire someone to help us with like just organic posting to Pinterest or Pinterest ads, it would be Vanessa Kynes. She is one of the go top go-tos for Pinterest marketing in our industry. She actually has a course on the subject. And um, if we do decide to implement the platform into our future efforts, she is who we would call. If not her, somebody she's trained. So next up are two forms of paid advertising that we've used in the past during my time as a wedding photographer and which I do not recommend throwing money at unless you're going to do so very strategically and for a very specific purpose. There's magazine placement. So this is paying to have your name or your work highlighted in a magazine with the disclosure that you have paid to be there. Uh, Maybe there's a collection of vendor listings and you pay for a boosted listing or you pay for like a quarter, half or full page ad, that kind of thing. I feel like these avenues are working less and less than before because people do not need to rely on them for recommendations anymore. There's Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Google to help them find their perfect vendor match. 
We have only paid to be listed in a magazine once. I paid to be part of a popular wedding magazine's directory for one year, and I never booked a single client off of it. And that's not to say it can't work, but I think that paid magazine placements and listings have got to be just one part of a killer marketing plan in order for them to work. It is not like a like a silver bullet to fix your booking problems. Um, like maybe your name is listed in a directory and then they land on your website and it's absolutely stunning. And there's a whole section of the site devo- devoted to exactly the type of work they're looking for. Like, for example, maybe you list in a local interior design magazine and you list as a brand photographer, you pay to be listed as a brand photographer, and then your website has a section all about interior photography, which speaks to the target audience for this interior design magazine. And and on that section of the website, you have interior photography and brand shoots for designers and architects and real estate agents. Um, That kind of targeted content on your website. So once people see your name in the magazine, you continue to nurture the lead once they land on your website. But it's not, like I said, a silver bullet, like a one-stop shop. I think just placing your name in a directory alone is not enough to help you stand out from the sea of other people whose names are run right alongside yours or whose quarter page ads you're also competing with. I think organic inclusion in magazines is way more powerful. When I was still a wedding photographer, my name was included in Washingtonian Weddings list of best wedding vendors for eight years straight. I didn't have to pay for it. That vendor guide was the result of a survey that the editor sent out each year to all the DC area wedding vendors. And I was also occasionally highlighted with awards like Editor's Pick and Top Vote Getter. Something I can't take credit for is the fact that my name is Abby, A-B. I was always at the top because it went in alphabetical listing. (laughs) I was always dreading someone like a guy named Aaron coming in and taking over. Fortunately, it never happened. But that, that listing did more for me than paying to run a sponsored listing because the couples who were picking up those magazines wanted to see who was voted upon by their peers, not necessarily who paid most to be featured. Moving on to sponsorships. This is the second of the two categories I said I utilized as a wedding photographer that I do not necessarily recommend unless you're doing so from from a very strategic standpoint. This is a broad category that I'm going to use to encompass events. Everything from buying like a booth space at an expo to sponsoring a golf tournament, like an event that you paid to be part of and paid to be featured at. I have done both, the whole like golf tournament and expo thing, and neither of them have worked out well for me. So for the golf tournament, I donated a portrait session to be given away during the raffle. I I feel like I can hear you guys rolling your eyes about this. I know. I should have known ahead of time. The great news is the person who won, they never cashed in their portrait session credit But the bad news is that I spent the entire morning photographing the event and I was not paid for it. And it wasn't even something I could use in a portfolio either. I paid them to let me work. I did it as a favor to someone I know, so I can't be mad at them. But it would have been wiser for me to consider ahead of time, are any of my ideal clients here? Because the answer was a definite no. I've only done one expo type show. And I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like success at these shows comes down to either having a gorgeous booth or some kind of exclusive discount available only during the show. And guys, I'll say this. I am speaking from personal experience here. This is just what's worked for me. I'm not saying that these things can never work um, because if you're sponsoring like a conference and your name is on everything while you're there, that could work out really well for you. I've seen that work out well for bigger brands, but for small businesses, that kind of advertising opportunity is generally not within reach. So I'm talking about smaller sponsorships where you are one of many options who are there. So with those expo type shows, like I said, I I feel like it comes down to either having a gorgeous booth or some kind of exclusive discount available only during the show. So when it comes to the gorgeous booth thing, I have zero, and I mean zero, interior design skills. So 
I would have needed to hire someone for help with this whole creating a gorgeous booth situation. I'm lazy and I didn't want to do that. I also did not want to offer a discount to entice people to work with me. And I'll go back. It wasn't just laziness for not wanting to create a gorgeous booth. I knew I was not going to be doing many of these. So I didn't want to invest like $10,000 in a gorgeous booth and then have to store all of that stuff somewhere only to know I was probably never going to use it again. So for the one show I did do, my booth was okay looking. I was also probably the highest priced photographer there. uh, And I did not offer a discount and I booked exactly zero clients. But... I don't think that I can outright dismiss wedding shows as a no-go. I may have had more success if I had chosen a different show, one where my target audience was more likely to be at, which at the time was higher budget brides. You've heard me mention this twice now in this episode, knowing where your people hang out. Without a clear picture of your target audience and knowing their behaviors, you can spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to be in a room that your target audience was never going to set foot in in the first place. Both times I participated in a sponsorship, this was my problem. I know some of y'all are going to wonder, what about Google ads? Well, because my business ranks high enough in search results, listen to episode two to hear how we've managed to end up on page one of search engine results without actually trying. Uh, Because I rank high enough, there's really not a pressing need for me to run ads on Google. If you think the majority of your clients are going to be looking for you on Google and you're on like page two or later, maybe page three or later, Google ads might be a great avenue for you to test out, especially because results are indexed based on what someone types into a search engine, so there's no behavior tracking needed. The more we grow the educational side of things, the more I would be likely to consider Google ads, but I also know that I personally prefer to click on the organic links generated by a search engine than the paid ones because I just feel like those organic links are more likely to contain the information that I'm looking for without trying to sell me something. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel like the paid ones, you click on it and you're like, this is not at all what I was asking. This is not helpful. Like this is a solution to a problem you thought I might have with the search engine term I typed in, but it doesn't actually answer the question I wanted to answer. That's it for our penultimate episode, all about paid marketing. Our final episode, episode six, that's going to be the most immediately actionable episode of all, this entire mini-series. So please make sure you do not miss that. Because episode six is going to be all about helping you get results right away versus some of the long game strategies we've been talking about over the last few episodes. I'm going to be spilling the details of how I used beta clients to pivot into brand photography and launch my official offer at full price. This isn't just me. I've helped hundreds of students do the same. That whole spend one to three years slowly increasing your pricing thing. Yeah, I didn't have to do that. And you don't have to either. So we'll see you inside episode six.